Welcome to Just One More Story by George Walters, a weekly podcast where I share with you a mixture of personal stories as well as some useful tips, techniques, and advice that might just make your day a wee bit better. It should also be noted that any content that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. In other words, all the views and information expressed here on this podcast are my own and not the views of anyone else. And while I strive for accuracy, I can and will be wrong at times, as any honest human will have to admit. So, if you're looking for that special something to start or end your day, you're in the right place. And the great part is, you can listen to all my podcasts for free, anywhere, at any time. So with that, let's get started. Hi folks, how y'all doing today? Good, I hope. I have to tell you, the podcast I have for you today brings back some fond memories. And I kind of think that for a few of the older folks, these things might bring back a few memories for them too, along with those that enjoy the land and what nature has to offer too. You know, some figure that farmers today are wealthy, which I suspect is true for some, but when I was young, it seemed that all the small farmers that I knew seldom benefited much when it came to making a huge amount of money. And taking a closer look at things, I doubt the small farmers aren't doing much better today. I remember my dad saying one time, George, if you're in the farming business to get rich, you might as well start looking for something else to do. And then right now, hearing that, I asked him why he stayed in business. He looked at me and took off his old hat wiped his brow with a handkerchief he had in his back pocket, and said, George, I love farming because it is the only profession in the world that takes hold of a person and teaches you new things every day. It teaches you patience from day one. You learn about plants, animals, and soil along with where your food comes from. You also learn to appreciate the true meaning of family and where you came from. You then learn to appreciate and respect the land itself. You also learn to love and hate the weather, as the weather can make it a good year financially or a bad year. And most of all, you learn to be tough. And when things start to go sour from time to time, which happens a lot, you don't start crying or whining. You roll up your sleeves and get back to work making things right. He went on to say that some love the city life, which is okay, but it's not for him, as all that working there would do would be to disconnect him from everything that he loved, which are the animals, birds, trees, soil, air, and sun. You know, I never forgot them few words that my old dad told me that day, which brings me up to the story today. I hope you enjoy Tiller of Soil. If a person looked up what the name George meant, they would find that it means tiller of soil. And I would have to say that soil has sure been a big part of my life. Thinking back one year, I remember Dad buying a farm that hadn't been worked in over 50 years. The soil had grown up with tall weeds, the trees hadn't been trimmed for God knows when, and truth be told, it was a heck of a mess. After looking things over, old dad said, George, as bad as it is, all that it's going to take to get things back in shape is a bit of work. It should be noted before moving along that my old dad never let hard work stand in the way of getting things done. 
The difference between now and then was that back when there wasn't the equipment we have today. No, not by a long shot. Just to get this new farm of Dad's turned over with a plow was going to be a chore in itself. Dad didn't have a tractor at the time, and later on he did, as most farmers. But right there and then, he still used his team of horses for plowing. He had a good team, and could they work? A plow he had at the time would turn over a furrow of around 12 inches or so wide by around 8 or 10 inches deep, maybe a bit deeper if the soil wasn't too hard and rocky. It was made out of heavy old cast iron, which back then tended to break every once in a while. The part that broke most was the tip of the plow, which happened in most cases when start striking a large hidden rock. Boy, I can remember you sure had to take care and be watching every second. I remember one time asking if he would show me how to use the plow with the horses. I had it in the back of my mind by watching him. It was going to be a snap. But what followed turned out to be somewhat complicated, along with a lot of getting used to my grandfather used to tell me that back in the 20s, he could buy a brand new plow for around $10 from almost any hardware store. If he needed a new point for the plow, he could pick them up for around a buck. You have to remember though that $10 back then was like $100 today, and maybe even more. A lot of the old plows back then were made by Oliver, but Sears and Roebuck made one too called the, a banner. Pretty good plow too, so it, so it was said, but my grandfather stuck to his Oliver. When I was learning how to plow, the team was hooked up to the stone bolt first and the plow was laid on it, as there was just no other way to move it around being so heavy. Once in the field, it was slid off the stone bolt, the horses were unhooked and rehooked back up to the plow. With the team pulling the plow, one horse would walk up on solid ground and the other would walk down in a furrow, which I always thought looked kind of funny that it made one horse look so much larger than the other. They didn't seem to mind though. I did notice that one up top occasionally had its chest stuck out a bit more, probably thinking he was a bit more superior. To start things off with the learning process, we lined up our first furrow with a tree at the far end of the field and struck out in that direction, which kept the row straight. Nothing worse than a field full of crooked rows, Dad would say. With one hand on each handle, Dad fastened the reins around on my back, with one going under my left arm and the other going atop of my right shoulder. In doing so, it would allow me a little control over the horses by just twisting my shoulders a touch. It worked okay, but as I said earlier, it sure took some getting used to. I had it a bit easy though, as the, tea, the team of horses we had at the time, well, was well trained for plowing, and they knew from experience exactly what to do without my interference. <clears throat> you could say I kind of followed along behind them for most parts. The hardest part I found was when I came to the end of the row, which I didn't make, if I didn't make the turn correctly, I almost had to pick up the plow and turn it to get it headed back in the right direction. And I have to say it was quite heavy. The right way was when I got closer to the end of the row, I had to remember to kind of tilt the plow a bit and get the horses to make a sort of a circle. 
The good thing was that the problem with turning only happened when first starting out in a new field was after the first pass around, all you had to do was follow the previous row. It was something that had to be learned right there in the field and not from a book. Every once in a while though, I would forget as I was a fellow that did a lot of daydreaming while working. Not a good thing to get in the habit of doing, which I found out in many occasions. The main thing Dad told me to remember was to never lean over the handles. As if it happened to strike a solid rock, it would throw the plow up and back, which in turn could break your jaw or even crack a rib or two. It's easy to forget and has happened to many a good farmer. Another thing was to never drop the plow when moving it from the barn to the field on its point as it would break every time and the points cost money and time to fix. I remember Dad's grandfather said one time that he could plow three acres a day. Dad said he could do two acres and that his grandfather was exaggerating. But he didn't say it to his face though. Yes, a lot of things were done differently back then, but looking at that, I found over the years that doing things differently usually led to a new and better things. But no matter what way an old farmer did things, the end results were that things got done, at least back then. To sum things up, I sure miss the smell of that freshly turned earth while working in the fields. Nothing could be better, I don't think, other than maybe the smell of the leather harnesses and the sweat that was radiating off the backs of our team of Clydesdales while walking behind them. You know, I often thought it sure would be nice to go back in time. Not that I would want to change anything, but to feel and smell certain things one more time. That's it for today, folks. But before I go, I would like to mention that all my stories are also available in books. We have seven books to choose from, and each book has over 50 short stories. The titles of the books are One More Story, Moments in Time, Paths We Choose, Times Changing, Keep Turning Pages, Join Me in the Garden, and Nature's Gateway to Health. All of our books are available on Amazon.ca or Amazon.com, in ebooks or paperback. If you would like more information regarding my books or podcasts, you can email me at any time at stories at keepingnotes.com. I'll say that one more time. Stories at keepingnotes.com. I'll get back to you. You can also listen to my podcasts on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, The Walters Post, and Google Home. Just say, hey Google, play Just One More Story by George Walters. And if you enjoy my podcasts, share them with others or tell a friend. In doing so, it will help me make more podcasts for all to enjoy. And finally, I would like to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to tune in every Friday for a new episode of Just One More Story by George Walters.